1: Hey, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode of Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and I'm here, as always, with my favorite gal pal, Jessica. Hey! And today, we have a true crime episode for you guys. We are going to be talking about women who poisoned their victims.
0: I don't know if we originally decided it was women. I think it just turned out that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Here's a little BTS for you guys. Yeah, originally our theme was just poisonings for a true crime week and we both picked women. So I'm going with it.
0: Well, I will say that poisoning is like one of the number one choices of women to kill. This is very true. So I'm not really surprised we both ended up with women.
1: I looked at like, I think it was like the Wikipedia page with like a list of those kind of cases and it was like almost all women.
0: (laughs) Me too. That's how I found my person, but I already knew her. I already knew of her. She just made me excited when I found her again.
1: Yeah, I think my person, I I had heard it on another podcast or on YouTube or something. So it's one that's kind of known. So you guys may or may not be familiar with mine. But before we get into that, we'll just drive on through our business and our drinks. So of course, if you are new here, all of our social medias, our website with our blog, And our Patreon is all in the show notes. I made a handy little link tree thing so you can find everything under one link. Go check that out. Yay. And then we want to give a shout out to our partnered sponsor that we have. It is Killer Trace, which is a true crime inspired subscription box. They uh, had a cool little promo that they put out a couple days ago with our unboxing we did that was a Facebook Live in our group. So that was kind of cool to see.
0: It was, except for like every single like still image where the, it's like I'm making a weird face <laughs> or like mid-bite because I decided, don't know why, had plenty of time <laughs> to eat before and plenty of time to eat after. But I was like, I've really got to eat this shrimp fried cauliflower rice right now.
1: I mean, but we didn't know it was going to get turned into a promo. True. (laughs) So thanks, Killer Trace. We appreciate that because that kind of helps us out a little bit. But if you are interested in trying out this subscription box and Mm -hmm. try to solve a cold case, go ahead and hop over to the show notes as well. And we have a handy little promo code that gets you a discount and you get some money off.
0: True. I got my box, but it's the exact same as Tara's
1: yes so we're we gonna do
0: an unboxing because it would be the exact same unboxing right no I will say that there was this is why I love killer trace there was a little snafu with my order mm-hmm. and they sent me this really cute little voodoo doll what snafu. i
1: will have to get a picture of that I haven't seen yeah that.
0: oh I thought I I'm sorry I thought I sent it to you no
1: I forgot like you told me they were sending you a little surprise but right. I did not no, get it, the update
0: it was super cute it's On my makeup desk, which is on the other side of where I record. (laughs)
1: No worries. No worries. But yeah, check that out. And what's nice is you can pick whatever you want now. So we could always do like a group case solving party.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Something specific or specific. Something especially for our Patreons. Our patrons. That, That
1: is a good idea. Patrons, if you like that idea, just let us know. And then just speaking on that real quick, we are making our way towards our goal. We are over a quarter of the way there. When we get to 20 patrons, we're going to open up an extra Facebook group just for you guys. So you can join as little as a dollar. You get bonus episodes, stickers, other cool stuff. And we're kind of brainstorming some other ideas that will be coming over the next couple of months for you guys as well.
0: And again, we appreciate anything. We love our patrons. They've gotten some really cool things. Like Tara did a very special unboxing of something that her husband gifted her. And it was fun. So if you're even just considering it and you want to try it out, as little as a dollar gets you in, just, yep. you know, we love you, even if you're not a patron, though. Just yes. Put that out.
1: yes, we love all our spooksters, no matter what. We appreciate you guys listening and coming back every week and interacting with us in every way that you guys do. You guys are fucking amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So now let's go ahead and hop in the drinks. I'll start with myself because mine's not the super exciting one. By this point, you know, <laughs> Jessica's got the cool themed one. I'm a
0: little bougie I'm, over here.
1: I'm the wino. So <laughs> I went and got another boxed wine, tried a different barefoot one. Oh, good. Which one? The cab, but it's actually, I, I never had their cab before and it's, not as dry as, because I'm not really normally a huge cab person, mm-hmm. but this one's not super, super dry and doesn't taste like nail polish remover, so it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> well, Barefoot is a little bit more on the sweeter side anyway, so. This is true.
1: But yeah, I just, I had the rosé and then I had that other Alaska one that was sweet, so I had to go back to my reds because I couldn't do it anymore.
0: <laughs> it ha- It happens. It happens.
1: Yeah. And what is our theme drink for
0: today? So because if you follow along, dear Spooksters, you know, Mm -hmm. Tara and I, we are extreme Disney fans. Mm -hmm. So when you start thinking of poisoning and Disney, Poison Apple. So a spin off of that is this very, very cute drink. It is called the Poison Apple Cider Cocktail. Now, at first I was like, that's kind of a lame name. But then I saw this thing and oh my God. Guys, it has edible lust dust in it.
1: It is so pretty. Like, I need to go get this shit right now and make it. Right. It's so fucking pretty.
0: So you need apple cider, spiced rum, pomegranate juice, grenadine, and then as I said before, the edible, it's actually called luster dust. It is available in several colors, but they recommended either gold or silver. I got gold because my hobby-lobby, it's a (laughs) hobby-lobby, which is like down the street from my work so I was like ooh. so just it, I think it just adds like a little extra like a little mm-hmm. razzle dazzle to it. it you make it in a shaker but I think this is a perfect drink if you're gonna have a bunch of people over and you want to give them something because a lot of these ingredients you can buy in bulk it's not so much like you have to buy small amounts of I don't know I just think it I think it'd be cool like if you handed it out in like a little martini glass and be like
1: yeah, I was going to say, like, it's definitely a party drink. It's so cute. Mm-hmm.
0: It is definitely a party drink. So that is what I am drinking tonight. and very curious to see how the dust does to my intestinal drack. <laughs> I have a very sensitive stomach. I'm just going to throw that out there. So some things that people are like, oh, I love this. I'm like, oh, God, I died.
1: Godspeed, Jessica. Godspeed. So
0: i on, on Spookster night. Sorry, guys. <laughs>
1: All right, well, now that the drinks are out of the way, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off the uh, murderess, I guess. Well, actually, she's a serial killer, technically, that I chose was Velma Barfield.
0: That name, how could you not be?
1: Right. Okay. So Miss Velma Barfield was born on October 29th, 1932 in a rural area of South Carolina. And then (laughs) she moved when she was a kid (laughs) and she grew up near Fayetteville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. and she had a rough childhood. Classic, classic here. Her dad was an abusive alcoholic, and her mom was a huge enabler to him and pretty much just stood by while he would do all sorts of shitty, sit, drink already, shitty Woo! Sit, shit towards her and I believe her eight siblings. God damn. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 30s, though, I ain't surprised.
0: I just, like, I think if you're not a good person, you shouldn't procreate that much.
1: Mm -mm. So we'll fast forward to 1949 when Velma was 17 years old. She finally was able to go ahead and get out of the toxic home. She married her first husband, whose name is Thomas Burke. Mm -hmm. Together, yeah, so a Thomas, but you know.
0: Poor Thomas.
1: (laughs) I know. Sorry, Thomas.
0: (laughs) No one tell him. He's going to be like, (gasps) murderer.
1: (laughs) So I'll just call him Burke because that was his last name. Burke and Vilma had two kids and they were described as a happy family until two things happened. One, Burke got in an automobile accident and started picking up drinking heavily. And then later on, Velma had a hysterectomy, which caused her to develop back pain, which led her to painkillers and prescription pills and stuff like that.
0: Gotta love those opioids. Right?
1: And then, of course, being on opioids and all of that crap will fuck with her moods. So the mix with that and then her husband drinking, they were fighting all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, on April 4th, 1969 Burke was allegedly passed out from drinking, which, you know, he turned into an alcoholic. So, okay. And I'm, uh, I don't know if they got into a fight or something, but basically Velma took her two kids and decided to like peace out of the house for a while. Well, when she came back, their house was on fire. (laughs) Like totally burnt into shit. Oh my god. And Burke died from the fire. Okay. Yeah. And they had ruled that he it was the cigarette or a match kind of thing. Okay. Their house was insured, so oh, there of go. course. Mhm. And here we go. She bounced back quick. Not even a year later, she was married to her second husband mm. in August of 1970. Oh Jesus. And his name was Jennings Barfield, hence Velma Barfield. Okay. And with him, what's interesting was he actually had his own health issues already going on. He was diabetic and he had some stuff with his lungs. They didn't go into too much detail what that was and all the stuff I watched. So asthma, who knows? But they were still newlyweds. It was on March 22nd, 1971 that Jennings died reportedly from heart failure.
0: Oh, wow. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So here she is, a widow times two, and supposedly super depressed. Oh Yeah. So after his death, she moved back into her parents' house. Her father had died of lung cancer shortly after she had moved in. Kind of got his karma because he sounded like a real piece of shit. hmm So we're going to go ahead and jump a little further down the timeline to 1974. Velma's mother, Lillian, had become extremely ill. Okay. Her symptoms were intense diarrhea, vomiting, and nausea. Sounds like fun. Right? But luckily she did recover. So she was good at first. Later that year, all the way to December, she had her symptoms come back and she went to the hospital. And on December 30th of 1974, she died just a couple hours after getting there. Damn. Yes. So another death around Miss Velma. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Yes, and at this point, her family had basically said she was cursed because it was like everyone close to her
0: died. People need to stop being like, that person is cursed and be like, Mm -hmm. that person is a serial killer.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, it is the 70s, so I mean, you know. But interesting enough, in 1975, Velma did go to jail, but it wasn't for murder yet. She actually went for check fraud and served a six-month sentence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And luckily, nobody died in those six months.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, she was signing checks or doing, you know, and also bad checks with, like, her mm-hmm. mom's account and all that stuff because she was still addicted to the pills, so.
0: Yeah, those are bad things.
1: hmm So after that, when she was released from jail, she tried to, like, start over, so she got a job as a caretaker in 1976. She got hired for the Edwards family. She was mainly taking care of the husband. His name was Montgomery. He was in his late, late 80s, early 90s, I believe. And Dolly, mm-hmm. the wife, was about 10 or so years younger. So she was like, she was still doing all right. Mm-hmm. And Montgomery had other health issues already. So it was like she was helping with him. And then she was also being their housekeep, like living housekeeper kind of thing. Got it. But by January of the next year, so 1977 now, Montgomery was dead. Damn. Yes, she worked quick. He he had the same symptoms as her mother did at the time of death. And then not even a month later, Dolly passed away that February due to a stomach virus.
0: Yeah, nobody going, this bitch is here for everything.
1: Not yet. Well, see, I watched a couple documentaries and I also watched an interview with her, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. They said a lot of these symptoms her victims had since they were older people. It was kind of like... They just thought they were in bad old. health and old. Yeah. yeah. At this Especially point. like her
0: second husband who already had health issues. It's like, exactly. okay.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. Right after they had died, she was assigned to another home to be a caretaker. And this was the home of John Henry and Record Lee. So John was the next victim and that was in June of 77 and he died of, I'm sure you can guess.
0: Stomach issues.
1: Yes, a severe stomach virus. As per her pattern, she works quick, right? Right. So that same year, she met her last boyfriend, Stuart Taylor.
0: Run, (laughs) Stuart, run. Oh, he
1: did the opposite. They were that whirlwind, super in love, super like doing everything together. You know, he thought she was the greatest thing ever. So it was literally just a couple months that they moved in together.
0: Shake my head.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. exactly and then everything was going great everything was fine and then I don't know if she was at work at the store or something he found a letter addressed to her from another prison inmate and he read it he didn't know she went to prison
0: for the check fraud
1: yes for the check fraud but he but see I guess the letter didn't say like You know, they're not going to go into details about (laughs) what she had been in jail for. So he had no idea she went to jail for anything. So he's like, what the fuck? Like, you went to prison? When the fuck were you going to tell me that? What the fuck was it for? Like, who the fuck are you? They got into this huge fight. And basically, he was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go ahead and expose you. And I'm going to tell all our friends who the fuck you really are, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Miss Velma had not only that to be worried about. She was also doing her little check fraud shenanigans with his account. So she was afraid he was going to find out.
0: Oh, well, I mean, it makes sense because he found out why you went to prison.
1: Mm Mhm. So I'm sure you can figure out what's going to happen next.
0: Just a little bit.
1: (laughs) Just a little bit. So Stuart went to the hospital due to severe stomach pains, and he died on February 3rd, 1978. Now, finally, somebody was a motherfucking smart and caught on, and they are like, wait a minute. All of these people have fucking died around you from stomach issues. That don't sound right.
0: Right. So
1: so they did an autopsy on Stewart, and of course, they found plenty of arsenic in his system, and it was like so much, it was like invading his internal organs at this point. Oh, Wow. Yes. So she didn't just do like, here, let me dump a bunch of rat poison or a bunch of whatever. She like did it slowly. Right. And of course she was like, I didn't do this. I would never hurt him. I loved him. You know, all of that shit. Right. But later she actually tried to commit suicide and her son, I don't know if she called him or what, but basically her son, who's who is an adult at this point. Came to her house, stopped her, was able to talk to her. And then this was the point she actually admitted for the first time that she killed
0: Stuart. Oh, wow.
1: Yes. So, of course, um, and I watched a couple interviews with him, too. Like, he turned around and called the cops, obviously.
0: That's good. Because, you know, some mama's boys out there are like, no, mama, I won't call the cops on you. Right?
1: So then after this, they took her in for a three-hour interrogation, which Mm -hmm. she admitted to six murders course there could be more but yes so of course she poisoned jennings she laced montgomery and dolly's food with ant and rat poisoning oh god she also poisoned her mother's food she poisoned john the other man she took care of after dolly and montgomery Mm -hmm. and then lastly the way she poisoned stewart was she would lace his tea and beer with arsenic oh Mm -hmm. And there's tons of theories or tons of people that believe that she probably did kill her first husband as well. It's not totally her, like, her MO, her pattern. So, it was never confirmed. Like, I could see it if she's like that. But it's like, everything else was poisoning. And then it's like, she'd literally have to, like, set the dude on fire. So, I don't know. I mean, if she hated him enough.
0: she she could also, like, have been poisoning him. Mm Mm-hmm. And neglecting him and not taking him to the hospital, and it could have been like a lethal dose, and he exactly. died while holding a cigarette.
1: Exactly, you know, like super easy because he's a drunk. He may have mm-hmm. spilled, like even just dropping it, shit catches on fire in like two seconds. So
0: right, and it would weaken you. So mm-hmm. and <laughs> also you think about like the fact that that the poison would interact with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Exactly. And then, you know, we've talked about this on an episode before. I can't remember. Oh, I think it was the Jody Arias one. So, of course, she went to the fu- like all these funerals for all these people she killed.
0: Because they fucked up like that.
1: Yes. Well, that and it's like they were either, you know, significant other family, like really close person to them. So it's like mm-hmm. if she didn't come, it would have brought attention to her. It would have been weird from the outside. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? So it was just really fucked up because people were like, yeah, she looked like she was truly grieving. It was the weirdest thing because it's like you think like someone's a fucking cold-blooded serial killer. They're just going to be like, I guess like Ted Bundy status and just be like, they're dead. I did this. Whatever. But she played the part unless you think she's...
0: I think a lot of women who kill, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. maybe with the exception of Eileen Warnos, there is this sense of like guilt that they can't overcome. And so I think going... Like, I'm trying to think about it from, like, a psychological aspect, which Mm -hmm. is that maybe just going to the funeral is cathartic for them. Like, yes, I did this, but this is my way of making peace with what I did.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, with, like, how her personality was, that would definitely fit for her, I would think. Right. So once she admitted she killed all these people, they actually exhumed their bodies to take a look, and all of them
0: had the arsenic in them. And that's also going to be a hard thing for families. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of these people, she was their caregiver. And exactly. so they were like giving her money to essentially kill their family. And I've yeah. been a caretaker before. And it's, yeah. you know, people are completely dependent on you for everything. Mhm.
1: Exactly. So it's like one of the people you put all your trust into for yourself, your spouse, family member, whatever. She did these horrible things to them. Right. It just
0: makes you kind of like kind of scared for when we get old but you know <laughs> I think I think one of the interesting things about her is that she just she got to the point where like the guilt seemed to overwhelm her and mm-hmm. she just confessed whereas right. a lot of people would never have confessed
1: Mhm Well <laughs> what was interesting was she kind of had a little bit of like reasoning with what happened so of course she went to trial mm-hmm. and she told the jury she didn't mean to kill them Oh Yes. She said she was only trying to make them sick enough so she could have to buy time to get enough money to repay the loans and all the crap for like, you know, the check fraud and all the debt she had. So basically like in a fucked up way with the people she was caretaking for, it was job security. She'd be giving them the poison, but then she'd also be giving them some stuff to help aid them so they didn't get too sick. Obviously she fucked up, but that was her like whole thing and her fucked up head was like, I'm finding ways to get more money for me, you know, not kill them in like life insurance wise, but like, I still have a job, whatever. Or it was like with her mom, she was stealing from her. So she was like, if she's sick and I'm taking care of her, it's easier to get in her purse and swipe whatever cash kind of thing.
0: Right. I mean, yes. And there's a lot of cases like that where like, you know, I like bones and there was like an episode Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, that episode itself is like really twisted because it's like a polygamist episode, but like one of the sister wives and they were (laughs) literally like all sisters. Related sisters. Um, <laughs> one of the sisters, like, that was her job was to take care of the husband. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted more time with him. So she would poison him, so like, little bits. So that he right. to stay with her. And I think that's a lot of women's MO, when they poison, is not to kill. Mm-hmm. It's to just weaken them and make them stay.
1: So they have that control over them. Right. Or, or attention, whatever it is their goal is with that. So, yeah.
0: Well, then you have, like, what is that, like, mon
1: munchausen by proxy mm-hmm.
0: thank you yes
1: yep yep and then basically if you don't know what that is it's like the caretaker is purposefully making the person they're taking care of get sick or have whatever symptoms or even straight up lying about it so they get whatever they want out of it so it's like attention money whatever the dumpster mm-hmm. fire of gypsy rose's mom Dee. we will get into that later but it's, yeah. yeah and it's like that
0: one family like Mm -hmm. I can't even remember their names now like Tara and I were like up late one night and we were texting back and forth and she's like what are you doing and I'm like I'm watching this family on YouTube Mm -hmm. and she's like oh let me see and it because like anything to do with like mental illness I know this sounds weird like people with mental illnesses it like intrigues me because of how society doesn't know so much so i try to educate myself so that when i go out in public and i'm interacting with people that i'm a little bit more what's the word i'm looking for tara Rosexual? i don't know i'm <laughs> just
1: yeah i'm just trying to rack my brain on what their names are like i obviously know who it's you're talking Jeannie about
0: she like, needs something yeah um go Jeannie, ahead sorry <laughs> yeah no oh, no 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 worries so essentially what it is is it's like this little girl was on oprah this is how i found this um i was watching a bunch of ted talks and then this was in the corner and it was like, a terror found it. I see that.
1: <laughs> okay. It's the Schofield family. Susan yes. and Michael are the parents. Yes. There we go.
0: <laughs> so this like, seriously, like, I know this is a rabbit trail, but you need to look at this. This needs mm-hmm. attention people. Like, cause this is literally classic, say it again, Mon- Munchausen by proxy. Yes. So, yeah. This is literally the perfect example of this case. Mm-hmm. This mom, her name is Susan. Susan is literally, I'm going to say it. She's a cunt Mm mm-hmm she is like the worst of the worst she has two children first jenny was which is really unheard of that she was diagnosed this young with schizophrenia yeah like and i truly believe this little girl has schizophrenia because Mm -hmm. like look into it and you look at what she's dealing with like as a young age like when oprah was interviewing her she was seven and you could tell right they started medicating her and it's crazy because you can, like, watch, like, this guy, this person has put so much time into exposing this family mm-hmm. because they need to be exposed. They live in a fucking, like, apartment in L.A. and like, Santa Monica. And the two children sleep on air mattresses in the fucking living room. Mm-hmm. The little boy, they diagnosed him with autism. And it's the same doctor who diagnosed Janny.
1: Well, actually, too, like, I don't know if this is a later update or you were going to say this. Oh, no, no. He's now six, and they've actually uh, supposedly diagnosed him with schizophrenia too. Or yeah. at age six, they age six. diagnosed so it's him like, that.
0: Very, very unlikely that two children in the same family would have schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. It's like I was reading about it, and it's like so crazy. And this mom, like, she over-medicates her kids. She puts a camera in their face, twenty-four fucking seven. Like, and the two, like the two parents, like she's remarried and the stepdad has this, and I'm going to fucking call it out, some fucking creepy predatorial like thing with that boy. Like that mm-hmm. little boy, like he always has his hand on him. He's always looking for him. And that boy is just like, what do you want? Jannie went from being able to like write, to sing, to like, she could barely do her numbers. She could barely read words. Her entire existence is based on getting like ice cream from McDonald's or chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. because that's That's so sad yeah literally like Tara was like are you okay I was like no I'm like sitting up I'm crying because in a way she's poisoning these kids like she's over medicating Mm -hmm. like you're watching this little boy like try to interact and he just his brain is it's not firing and it's classic medication overdose Mm -hmm. like doctors are looking at this and they're like this is medication overdose but she goes to the same doctor and there are just in every profession there's bad doctors out there who if you bring them enough money, if your insurance pays them enough, they'll give you whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, I really like hate getting prescriptions because like unless you absolutely need it. Mm-hmm. Because one, opioids are addicting, SSRIs are addicting, benzos are fucking addicting. And then this is how fucked up this woman is. And I swear, I'm gonna stop ranting in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> right? This woman is so fucked up. Like when that little girl, her name is Janny. Like, she's like a teenager now. When she got her period, her mom posted it online. Mm-hmm. This is not about her kids and their mental illnesses. This is not about that. This is about her getting attention.
1: This is about how can I monetize more videos? Right. Let me do whatever I can to make more money.
0: Like, it used to be, like, Janny story or something like that. And then all of a sudden it changed to goldfield Productions. And, like, mm-hmm. everything is about from the mom's point of view and like she gets Mm -hmm. the daughter to basically talk like the little girl is like she's in high school and she's in special needs Mm -hmm. and the mom is like I don't know why they won't put her in regular classes and the teacher's like we can't trust her to be in regular classes because she doesn't do her homework in the special needs classes and she's like it's baby homework I'm like what kid calls it baby homework yeah I'm sorry. Like, I I ran
1: (laughs) No, you're fine. And just, like, a little fun fact that kind of ties that into Miss Velma here is, like, when she pretty much should have been off of, you know, the pills and stuff, she doctor-hopped. And even Mm. back then, like, well, I mean, I'm sure it was easier back then than now, but it's, like, she doctor-hopped to get what she needed. So, just dangerous, dangerous stuff.
0: In, like, today's world, Mm -hmm. uh, like, I have Kaiser as a health insurance. Mm Mm-hmm. Kaiser's harder to get kind of fuck with because Mm. everything's recorded. Mm. But like, if you have like a different health insurance, you could go from doctor's office to doctor's office. There's no database. Like if you pick your prescription up at Walgreens, that Walgreens has your stuff in it. I don't know if all Walgreens do, but that Walgreens does. So then if you think about it, you could go to Walmart, you could go to, I mean, people literally like, I am all for alternative methods for pain relief other than opioids. And I get it. There are people out there who need them. Mm-hmm. They need them to be able to like stand because they're in so much pain. And I get that. But when I had surgery last year, it was a very simple, like outpatient procedure. And they were like, so would you like us to give you a prescription of like, <laughs> of, like a, it was some sort of opioid. I think it was like Norco or something that I was like, no, can I yeah. just get like ibuprofen? They're like, are you sure? Cause we can write you three refills. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, I literally am getting like an outpatient procedure (laughs) done. Right. You're like, Like, I'm good. I'm going home today. And I said this, will an ibuprofen cover the pain? They're like, yeah, it it could, or it could be too much for you. And I said, okay, well, how about this? I'll take the ibuprofen, the extra trade ibuprofen. And if I can't take it, I'll come back and get an opioid prescription. Mm -hmm. And they're like, cool. I didn't go back for it. I still have my ibuprofen. Mm Mhm. Because, oh, mind you, they gave me this, like, a bottle that was, like, literally, like, almost Costco size. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, you're going to be in pain for a week. Here's enough for seven months. There you go. (laughs) Here you go. So,
1: going back to Miss Velma, her trial, you know, they went through all that stuff. She was found guilty of first-degree murder, and she was sentenced to death.
0: Damn.
1: But she was only charged with Stewart's murder since it was the only one committed after the death penalty was reinstated in her state.
0: It only takes one,
1: right? So it did the job. Mm-hmm. So from here, she went to the women's correctional facility in Raleigh for six years. Here, she was she she earned a couple nicknames. So the first one was the Angel of Death Row. The other one is the Granny of Death Row.
0: <laughs> That's my favorite.
1: She was apparently a fucking delight. What she did was, and whatever, this is like, she did what she did. She She's a piece of shit. But anyway, <laughs> she, she acted basically like a counselor to a lot of the women in the prison that were extremely disturbed and all this stuff. They would go to her as like a confidant and talk to her and it actually worked, apparently.
0: I mean, she did confess. Like, she's not right. one of those girls who are like, mm, no, I didn't do it.
1: Right. Exactly. Like all the prisoners said she was super delightful and she went back to God and found God and became churchy all over again, which, you know, that's kind of that happens a lot. It seems like. And another thing, she spent a lot of her free time crocheting like little dolls and other little gifty things for her grandchildren and other people, too, apparently.
0: <laughs> the granny of death
1: row. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's, that's like what always stuck into my head with her. And I just, I think it's funny. And it's crazy, too, because it's like you, it's totally true. Because I watched like her last interview before she was executed. It was, you know, with one of the news stations. She's got like that grandma, like soft-spoken Southern drawl. And, you know, like she just looks like, she looks like a nice person. She looks like a grandma. Well,
0: I mean, I think that goes back to the fact that that's why people trusted her. Like. Exactly. And looking back at Ted Bundy, like people didn't suspect him because they're like, he's a Republican. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's attractive. No way. <laughs> I like that. I just went, he's a Republican. Yeah. But I don't know no. Yeah. About. It's,
1: you know, in the 60s and 70s, it was like what people stereotype thought of a killer was just like creepy, man, homeless, gross, like all of that, you know, like And women
0: were not thought of.
1: No, absolutely not. So a week before her execution date she was actually moved from the prison she was in for 6 years mm-hmm. down to Raleigh's Central Prison which they said was kind of like for a security thing whatever like it was a prison that was like for like super super high risk of escaping and all of that shit kind of so
0: like a max prison
1: Yes, exactly. And when she was there, she was actually the only female prisoner and they didn't have really facilities for her. So she was like very isolated and just, it was really shitty at the end for her because it was like she was in this community, not trying to be like, leave her. Mm -hmm. So she had the choice to be executed with cyanide gas or lethal injections. And she chose lethal injections, which is kind of ironic. She poisoned people and then she got
0: poisoned. Either way, she's getting a poison.
1: Exactly. Her two kids came to see her, probably. So it was like after midnight when all of her stuff happened. So it was like the Mm -hmm. evening before kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They just like sat there and talked with her. And she actually like hand wrote them each a letter to take with them Mm -hmm. and just kind of spent time with them. She did decline the regular last meal from the prison. And it was something basic like pork chops, mac and cheese, like, you know, like just a basic meal. Mm -hmm. But she did request to have... Two different things, technically three items. And they granted it to her. Oh, think nice. Yeah, because honestly, everyone, like, they knew she did these terrible things, but at the same time, they kind of felt bad for her. Well, I it's, think— It's such can, a conflicting thing with her. You
0: can do bad things and make amends. I mean, you're never going to truly make amends because you mm-hmm. took a life, and mm-hmm. she took several. Mm-hmm. But, like, you don't have to— I mean, I think this is kind of like a blanket statement. If you're on a bad path, you don't have to be on that bad path. You just have to pay for what you do. Right. So. Exactly.
1: I agree. So mm-hmm. technically, Miss Velma's last meal was a bag of Cheetos and two eight ounce glasses of Coke. Aww. So I would guess, I would venture to say that probably was like her favorite snack or something.
0: So, that makes sense.
1: And all the way up to her death, because of course, during executions, there's witnesses. Mm-hmm they said she was very serene. She was very calm. She had said like, you know, she came to terms, like she was going to pay for what she did. And then when she died, she'd no longer be suffering all that kind of stuff. She was just like very chill. Just like, okay, Mm -hmm. I need to die to pay for what I did.
0: So. Would not be in that situation. Exactly. I would be like, no, (laughs) I I would not go down quietly. Like my last words would probably just be me sobbing.
1: Right. So they brought her in to the room that she was going to be executed in. Mm -hmm. It had a, you know, like a chair, like for an electric chair or whatever. And then it had like, I don't know how else to describe this besides like a massage table, like, you know, or a table, you know, where you get like adjusted by a chiropractor. One of those tables. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the two things that come to mind for me. And they strapped her down and everything, you know, secured her up. They actually, in this documentary that was from the 80s, of course, two witnesses they both said she did not look in the window at all she did not want to look at who was witnessing her death she looked the other way the whole time and then when they were laying down they left her head so she could turn however she wanted but she kept it away from the window like didn't want to look at anybody which i mean i don't know what kind of like i don't know i
0: mean especially like if you don't know who is on the other side
1: Right. Yeah. Because there was certain people like her family had been invited to go ahead and, you know, watch and all of that crap. But
0: like Mm -hmm. they didn't
1: go. So it was like it was just random witnesses. Right. So there is
0: that chance that like if her kids made that choice, like they changed their mind, like she might not know. And she doesn't like especially like if it was like a family member she maybe didn't get a chance to like reconcile with Mm -hmm. or someone she didn't get a chance. Like, could you imagine making eye contact?
1: Oh, I know. Right. And instead of the basic like tan prisoner outfit, I, I wanted to say scrubs, but you know, like the, yeah, jumpsuit. The, the jumpsuit. There you go. Thank you. They actually let her wear what she wanted and she wore a pair of pink pajamas. Aww. She had requested to them to have them donate any organs that were not damaged from the injections to, to whoever needed them. So, Yeah.
0: Okay, that's trippy, cause you know, like <laughs> I know. someone out there having like a serial killer heart, and <laughs> right,
1: shit. But yeah, you know, and then like in that last interview, cause I think that was like right before she was executed. I think it was, I don't know if it was before or after she was moved. But she just basically was just like apologizing. She's like, you know, not only to the people I killed, but to all the families that it affected as well. She's like, I truly am sorry. She's like, I was a drug addict. I was in this haze for 10 years. She's like, I can't. I have to take responsibility for it.
0: That's good. That's good that she took responsibility for it. Right. And that she did say that she was sorry because I think- A lot of serial
1: killers do not apologize for their handiwork.
0: No. They love their handiwork. They're like, yes. 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 But um, I think that it, I don't know. Like, that's cool that she did because Mm -hmm. in a way it's for those- family members they probably were like why did she do this and she was able to be like this is why I did it I was fucked up like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make up for what I did but at least now you know
1: yeah I kind of think like I'm really conflicted about her because she's not your typical serial killer you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so it's just like it's just one of those weird cases like yes she did horrible things and I'm glad she paid for it but it's like She wasn't like a sociopath or anything. It's just just kind of like perplexing. Just illustrates what happens when you have an addiction, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) completely.
1: For like lack of better terms, like I don't like that's very very extreme, obviously, but it's like. But it shows you
0: where your brain goes when you're like. Mm -hmm. When your mind is being like drugged and hazy and you're not making good choices and it's like most people will be like, but she probably wasn't high all the time. But I mean, to be completely honest, like opioids are one of those things that stay in your system and even people who have not been on them for years will still have haziness will still have like these little pockets will come back. Exactly. Exactly. So
1: her official time of death was at 2.15 a.m. on November 2nd, 1984. I was
0: like, if you're going to say 3.07, I'm done. Um,
1: (laughs) No. And her actual injections were at 2 a.m. and then they waited the 15 minutes and then had the doctors come in to pronounce her dead. So
0: it doesn't happen right away. Like, Mm -mm,
1: nope, because. I mean, if you're someone who doesn't really like look into this kind of stuff and didn't realize one of the, I'll, maybe I'll link, I'll link this probably this little like short 20 minute YouTube documentary I watched. One of the witnesses came on, ignore the cheesy eighties music, just saying it's actually got (laughs) info. You know, he was like, you know, she was laying there and then it was like, then we could see her chest. Like she started to breathe a little bit faster and then it slowed down. And then it was like, we just watched her face. And of course, you know, she was looking the other way, but it was like, she, she was looking And then her face just went blank. And then Mm -hmm. the next thing was her complexion went gray. Like, it takes time. It's not like the movies where it's like, bam, there you go. There's your poison. You're dead. It took about 15 or so minutes for her. This was the first woman in about 20 years that had been executed by the death penalty. And she was the first woman ever to be executed by lethal injections.
0: Wow. The other ones are, like, crazy. It's like, I'm very, I don't know how to say this, but, like, my view of the death penalty is, like, I think it's something that it's a hot button issue. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I mean, like I go back and forth. I'm so conflicted on it because there have been people who have been, you know, for lack of a better word, euthanized in the criminal system. And then like they find out later they're innocent. Right. But then there's people like Ted Bundy. If he hadn't been executed, that's the word I was thinking for, not euthanized, but whatever, same thing. <laughs> Um, if he hadn't been executed, he would still be alive.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, that's my little spiel on Velma Barfield and her arsenic shenanigans. (laughs)
0: Shenanigans. (laughs)
1: I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Jessica and she's going to tell us about her case this week.
0: I'm excited about my case. I've known about my case for a while, but I'm going to go about it in a little different way. Mm -hmm. So it was June 11th, 1986, I was a mere, what, three weeks old, you know, little baby. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Susan Snow got up for work that day. Mm. Typical day. She was getting ready and her daughter came in to use her shower because she was running late and I think her sister was in the other one or something like that. Um, Susan was a banker and she was very well respected in her community and was kind of like, you know, she had a lot going on for her. Mm-hmm. She was a newlywed. She'd been married about six months. And, oh. right. So she was all, you know, excited and she's getting ready. Well, you know how like you and I start our day off and we have a nice cup of coffee? Mm hmm. That's not how Susan liked to start her day. She Uh-oh. would grab two extra strength Excedrin. Okay. Because if you take Excedrin for migraines, which I can't because like I can drink, like, this is the weird thing I can drink like two Red Bulls in a row and be fine. But take Excedrin, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I fucking drink an entire bottle of red My heart goes crazy. Right. So this is how she, instead of drinking coffee, she took Excedrin, which, by the way, you should not do because Mm -hmm. it's bad for your liver and kidneys and all that junk. Mm -hmm. So she got up, and she, she took her two, and then she's talking to her daughter, and then all of a sudden, like, There's no talking, and I'm assuming that she thought her mom left the room or something like that. She gets out of the shower and finds her mom. And mind you, this girl's a teenager. Finds her mom laying on the bathroom floor. Oh, my God. Essentially having a seizure. Oh, no. So, they call 911. They hellevac her to, is that a word, hellevac? Medevac? There we go, medevac. That's
1: right,
0: Helivac. Drink? Yeah. That sounds scary. (laughs) Hellevac? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you don't want to go on a hella back they medevac her to the hospital and a few hours later she's pronounced dead so this seemingly healthy woman who just occasionally has migraines is suddenly dead mm-hmm. so the family is perplexed and they order an autopsy because they want to know what killed her because they have no idea like she was fine and then she was dead Like. Mm-hmm. so they go in and they go to do the autopsy, and while they're doing it, they cut open her chest cavity, and the assistant coroner or medical examiner smells the bitter smell of almonds, Oh, which only 1% of the population can detect with their own nose. Mm-hmm. So if you can do this, you should be working in forensics. It's cyanide poisoning. So, I have like, heard that. Right. So she smelled it, and they were like, oh my God, Like, was she killed with cyanide? They do the test and they realize, yeah, that she had enough cyanide in her to like literally like kill a person instantly. Shit. Because it's like, I guess the way cyanide works and I might be wrong. Um, this is, I've listened to this over and over again for the last few days. So mm-hmm. it's like, it replaces the oxygen in like your blood cells. Oh God. So you like asphyxiate. Mhm. So she died of this and they're like, where could she have gotten this? Did she like eat something? Did she ingest something? Like what's going on? So it's the day after her funeral, and her Mm -hmm. twin sister goes into her bathroom because she wanted um, to get some Excedrin because she had a migraine. Rightfully so, like it's a very stressful situation. Right. So she pulls it down, she opens it, and she pulls, like pours it onto her hand, and they're capsules. Oh. And she's like, my sister only takes tablets because here's the thing: in 1982 in Chicago, there was this big thing that happened with poisoned Tylenol Mm -hmm. so it's this big so like because of that she's like my sister only takes tablets you know the kind that's like like the white ones basically yeah yeah Yeah. not not the little with the plastic covering yeah like
1: not the like gel
0: yeah 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 I got you yeah so she's like okay this is weird so she thinks this is really weird and so she thinks this is where the cyanide came from so she tells the police please come get it they test it There were 10 more pills in there with cyanide. Oh, shit. Right. So, like, that bottle alone could have killed an entire family. That's what they said. Like, could you imagine if it was just a really bad day and everybody had a headache? Everyone would be fucking dead. Right. They immediately, like, look at her husband, who was kind of a dick. Let's be a little honest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Essentially, what it was is that before they had gotten married, he had been... Basically still communicating and was still with an ex-girlfriend.
1: Oh, god. Gotcha. So they had okay. like the
0: shitter get off the pot talk and they're like, yep. okay, let's get married. So there had been some cheating allegations. So Susan's sister is like, he fucking did it. Mm-hmm. So, and he's like, I didn't fucking do this. So what do they do? They bring him in. They do a polygraph test and he passes.
1: Interesting. Okay. And,
0: and the family is like, okay, there's something still really wrong. Very shortly, very shortly after that, he actually remarries.
1: Oh, all right. He's following Miss Velma's (laughs) patterns. Right.
0: But remember.
1: It's a female who's killed her. Yes.
0: So they're like coming up a dead end. So what they think is like, okay, there's possibly more pills out there. Mm -hmm. We need to alert. We need essentially people to like freak out and dump this shit down the toilet. Yeah. This happened in Auburn, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. Mm -hmm. So they were like. Okay, everyone, this happened. If you if you think you purchased a bottle at like this store, bring it to the police or throw it away, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, in enters Miss Stella Nickel. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So Miss Stella Nickel, whose husband died June 5th, 1986, mm-hmm. contacts the police because she believes that her husband, who had died and they ruled it as emphysema was incorrect. She swears that he had taken the Excedrin just a couple hours before he died. Mm -hmm. Because he had a headache, and then he took it, and then there shortly after, he died at a local medical center. And they ruled his death as a natural cause. They did it for emphysema. Okay. So, Stella's, like, in this, like, panic. Not because, like, not for the way you want to be. Not like, I want justice for my husband. Mm-hmm. but in the fact that Stella had and we all know what everyone's favorite motive for murder is life <laughs> insurance policies
1: yes number one thing I swear to fucking
0: god <laughs> so she had taken or at the time there were life insurance policies out and her husband's name is Bruce mm-hmm. and Bruce's life insurance policy would give her like i think like between 25,000 and like $75,000 for a death okay. and then if it was considered accidental would get an extra
1: $100,000. Mmm, so convenient. He died from some Excedrin.
0: Right. But emphysema is considered a natural death, and therefore, greedy bitch. So this she got is- screwed. So huh. this is what happens. So she goes to the police, and she's like, my husband died. I think it's this. They're saying it's, you know, emphysema. And the police are like, okay, well, we'll come to your house. And they came to her house, and they, and here, okay, this is Stella's first mistake. Mm-hmm. Stella's first mistake is that she had two bottles. Mm. And not that she had two bottles, but she said she got two bottles from two different stores. Oh, okay. Because the detective immediately thought to himself, how fucking unlucky could one person be that they would have gone to two different stores, bought two different bottles of Excedrin, and both be laced with cyanide. So that's going to be slum to none. Right, <laughs> what they were thinking they're like you have better chance of winning the lottery without without buying a ticket mm-hmm. it's greater thoughts so they're like okay and they start thinking i think this lady did it right so here's the facts with this so she keeps pushing no no i need a new autopsy he did not die of natural causes he died from excedent poisoning which by the way he did okay we all noticed because yeah. she murdered his ass right <laughs> <laughs> essentially the detectives are like okay I don't understand how this works. Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about it in this like weirdly unlogical but logical way, Stella needed an emergency for people to even consider because the insurance company were like, look, the ME said that it was emphysema, which is a natural death. Why would they look into this? The only Mm -hmm. reason they ever look back into an autopsy or do another autopsy is if they think foul play has happened. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is that he just died from excedrin which people just don't die from excedrin <laughs> no
1: so i'd be all the dead right now because right. i get migraines all the time
0: <laughs> right right so that's when she comes up with this plan if i take and she took three more bottles and put cyanide in three more bottles and place them around around kind of where she lived okay at the so she snuck into stores and put them on the shelf wow Right. So I don't know if she like opened it, and like this is where that like anti tampering shit comes from. Like when mm-hmm. the next time you're opening a bottle of something and you're like, why the fuck is like twelve thousand pounds of cotton in this thing and this can't open seal is because of this bitch right here in the mm-hmm. 1982 mm-hmm. Title mm-hmm. thing. So they're like, okay, but it doesn't make sense. Like why would Susan Snow be a target? Well, she wasn't. This is literally one of the only cases that a woman killed another woman. Or killed another person. without By knowing. chance. Right. Yeah. So this is how she gets caught. So they're like, okay, she's got two bottles. She said she got them from two different stores. She's really pushing this thing. And when we asked her to take a polygraph test, she says no. It's always like, I don't feel good. Or, you know, I don't want to do it because I don't want to relive my husband's death again. Mm. And, like, I would be the first person to be like, you know what? I want to take a polygraph test because I want you to figure out who killed my husband yeah exactly like, like normal people would Mhm. so then detective whose name is michael dunbar he um gets a hold of the insurance policy company Mhm. and they have received this letter oh from her and essentially this letter is saying oh it's not the insurance company i apologize it's the mortgage company gotcha you, they because ha- they had money problems okay so you're probably wondering besides life insurance money what is the other motive for this mm-hmm so stella thought she was a hot piece of ass in her 40s
1: hmm. okay
0: she one of those women who like i'm still hot as i was when i was 20 something i want to go out and party and her husband bruce was more like more adults right well, hey, <laughs> like let's stay home and like fix up our house let's go for a ride on our motorcycles let's go do fun like normal grown-up activities and she's like i'm gonna go get drunk I want to go sleep around. She had a boyfriend. Oh. So that's okay. why she takes out this insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Because she planned to kill her kid or kill her husband. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I said kid because she talked about it with her kid. Oh,
1: my God.
0: She an adult. She was 26. So it wasn't but, like a little.
1: But yeah. still, it's her dad.
0: Yeah but <laughs> sorry <laughs> but if they they said that these two were a lot alike
1: like they were very right yeah. i bet there was some way for her to benefit from it too
0: oh most definitely i think it was mm-hmm. like if you don't say anything like that we talked i'll give you some money mm-hmm. and you know if you're 26 and you're like i want to party like mm-hmm. mom's gonna give me money dad's dead what what can i do mm-hmm. um So she comes up with this plan. So she writes a letter to the mortgage company, letting them know, like, hey, guess what? We're going to, I'm going to start sending you $500 a month. I know we just received our final notice, but I'm going to work on it. Mm -hmm. And they look at that and they compare it to the life insurance policies that Bruce signed and they Mm -hmm. realize that they're very similar. Mm -hmm. So then they get, you know, a handwriting expert to come in and they're like, okay, I mean, like, there's a YouTube video on there. It's very good. I think it's on the forensic file, because also this person has been, there's been a forensic file on it, Women Who Kill. Like mm-hmm. that. There's been multiple shows done, multiple books, like a book was written. It's very, um, it was a very well-known case, which is, when we're talking about poisoning, it popped into my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> essentially, the handwriting expert is like, okay, this is not his handwriting, like, his N doesn't go dip below the line. This mm-hmm. He doesn't do this, like, with his K. Very, like, common things that people always do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't always sign my name the same way, but my J is consistent. Right. So they were like, okay, this is more like hers. Mm-hmm. And so they have this. So then... They're like, what do we do? This is circumstantial. Like, we could get her on fraud, essentially, but we wouldn't be able to get her on murder, which we need to get her on murder. And how do we link these two cases? How do we link Susan Snow with Bruce Nichol? Wow. So they've surrendered the bottles, right? Mm -hmm. And they start looking, and this detective is talking to the lab, and the lab is like, it's, like, really weird. There's just, like, green speckled flakes in this stuff, and... I don't know where it comes from, but it seems to be like these four compounds are commonly found in like an algae cleaner. Or oh, a fish tank. OK. And they're like, so this is very common. So essentially, this detective, Mike Dunbar, goes to like 57 pet stores in her area and is like, wow. do you sell like algae killer? Essentially, mm-hmm. he goes to the one shop. And the guy's like, yeah, I do. It's over here. And he finds it. And it's the same compound and it's got the green flakes in it. Then he walks up and shows the picture of Stella Nichols and goes, do you know her? And he's like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And he goes, have you sold her this product? And he said, yeah, I told her that this is the best product to do what she's needing to do. Mm -hmm. And that you should crush it up because it works better. Mm-hmm. So this is what this bitch did. Right. She cleans her algae, puts her algae killer in, then Uh gets her cyanide and crushes it in the same, like, container.
1: Oh, okay. She's a crafty bitch. Okay.
0: Right. And then puts, well, I don't even, this is where she, this is her downfall. This is, she's not crafty. Mm. She's stupid. Mm. The smart person would have done this in, like, a container they could have chucked away and never, like, had never used before.
1: Right. Or, you know, t- not murdered people. She There's tried that. to be a crafty bitch and it backfired.
0: Right. So they're like, okay. So they knew she had a fish tank and they knew this. So they were like, okay, how do we get her? Mm-hmm. So they go to the daughter and they're like, hey, I need to know, do you think your mom killed Bruce or killed your dad? And she looked them (laughs) dead in the eye. And she's like, yeah, she told me she did. She told me she was going to do this. We talked about death by poisoning.
1: Oh, man. And I just waited to tell you until you straight up asked me.
0: (laughs) Right. And so she's like, so then the daughter's also like, she was also reading books about it. So they go to the local library and they pull her history of like Mm her rental history. And they find all of these books to do with poisoning. Right. Makes sense. Right. So they pull all these books to do with poisoning and they like do fingerprints her fucking fingerprints are all over the page about cyanide
1: makes sense at this point she's a fucking idiot
0: (laughs) right then they pull encyclopedias that were just in that library not checked out and check for her fingerprints and they're all over the cyanide section so here you have this bitch who's just like leaving forensic evidence everywhere Mm -hmm. right and i'm like what the hell like I mean, in today's world, like, what? Buy a burner phone. I don't know. I'm not going to say that because I don't want people to be like, this is how you get away with murder.
1: Yeah. No. People are much yeah. more mindful nowadays about this kind of stuff. But back then, it kind of makes sense, like, right. why they weren't. They weren't. They just they just weren't. Right.
0: And, like, Stella wasn't a very good person. She had already been convicted mm-hmm. of fraud. She'd been charged with beating her daughter with a curtain rod. Like, she wasn't a good person. <laughs> mm Essentially, like now they're like, I gotcha. Right. And so they arrested her in December of 87. So, like, over a year and a half later. So, mm-hmm. they've done all of this work. Mind you, this whole time she's still trying to get the life insurance policy. Right. And they're just like, really? Like, because they <laughs> came out. out to be about $250,000 for the policies to, when they paid out. Gotcha. So, she was like banking on that. Mm-hmm. So, she made about 60 capsules. Wow. Right. She could have fucked a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know if they got the ones from shelves or people just turned them in, but that's like they found the other, there was five total bottles and they found them. Mm. So here's what she's convicted of. This is what's weird is she's convicted of two counts of murder. Okay. With product tampering, murder with product tampering, and then five counts of product tampering. Oh, all right. She is serving 90 years. Now here's the fucking trick. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, because this all happened in Washington. I'm like, where is this bitch at? Mm -hmm. I said, you not, Tara, she like is being housed in a facility that I used to live near. Oh
1: my God, no.
0: So I used to live in Pleasanton, California, and this woman is in Dublin, California, and there's literally a freeway. Remember, I'm always like, come to Pleasanton, come live here. There's, you know, the reserve (sighs) over there. (laughs) She's there. Oh God. (laughs) Right. I was like, holy shit. No, no. So she's housed there. Mm -hmm. Mind you, she was available for parole as of December of 2018, Mm -hmm. but she didn't get it granted. Good. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Stay there. She is currently 75 years old.
1: I mean, let her fucking rot at this point. Like, she killed two people, one innocent person she didn't even fucking know just to set up her shit.
0: Right, and, like, that's the weird fucked up thing. They're like, she's truly evil because Mm -hmm. she was willing to kill, like, potentially, depending on who it was, she could have killed dozens of people. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to kill dozens of people because then it would be like, oh, it's not her. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, she has maintained her innocence. Of course. Which, stupid bitch, like, come on. But, like, seriously, like, (laughs) the thing is, oh. And here is the awesome stupid shit. Eventually, her daughter got to cash in those life insurance policies. That What's was, the, up, I dog? believe, the deal that she made. So she, not only did the daughter, like, tell the cops this, she testified against her mother in court.
1: Let me help you put her in prison, but I want that money.
0: No, pretty well, much. like That's what happened. If you were a cop and you were like, she's literally the star fucking witness. We'll help you get your life, the life insurance policy. Because $250,000 in 86, that's life-changing money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's
1: fucked up. But I mean, at that point, it's kind of like, can you blame the cops? Like, they kind of had to do what they had to do. They had nobody else.
0: Right. I mean, and Stella has made several appeals throughout. It's gone nowhere. Mm -hmm. As of right now, there are no paroles on the docket. If she were to live, when I say if, because, you know, she's 75 now, Mm -hmm. her release date would be July 10th, 2040. Dang. And that's like right now, I said no parole hearings mm-hmm. are scheduled or even, but
1: it's so weird that she was so close. I know. This is just like a mind fuck. <laughs> like,
0: we're going to visit Thomas's parents this weekend. And this is like literally like five miles from their house.
1: That's crazy. I know. Cause like I came and visited you. So, like I said, I probably was on that highway like crazy. Five,
0: yeah. For sure. I know you were because I'm pretty sure we went on it together. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it's, yeah. um, it's crazy (laughs) right shit which and the weird thing is I didn't even know there was like it's a low it's a low security minimum like facility Uh uh-huh I didn't know it was there though I knew that there's like this big prison or this big jail back there it's called Santa Rita Mm -hmm. yeah that's different it's like the one you go to before you go to San Quentin if you're a dude okay (laughs) <laughs> which by the way just like for your information in case you don't know I think that San Quentin needs to be torn down and put in a different location because they have fucking bay views <laughs> like in an area like in San Rafael which is not like a cheap place to live right it's like they get waterfront property I'm like they're mm-hmm. <laughs> murderers and if you have a window you can look out and see the ocean shit and you pay like, like $3,500 for you know a studio apartment in San Francisco to do that
1: yeah insane
0: (laughs) right why you yeah honestly so both our ladies were like pretty fucked up I mean yours I'm glad she was remorseful (laughs) yours no fucks (laughs) no fucks I mean like the thing is is, like she already didn't like her husband she Mm -hmm. had a boyfriend she would have been better off like you know blowing up the house true (laughs) But the way she went about it, like, the the weird thing is, is it's like she made that decision. Like, at some point she was like, they're not believing me. Now I need to go kill other people for this to happen. Right. That's what blows my mind. I know. Jesus.
1: Two very messed up individuals who decided to be like, you know what? I'm gonna murder these people with poison. So here we go.
0: And honestly, like, they look very similar.
1: (laughs) Right. I know. It's just crazy. All right, guys. Well, that will go ahead and conclude our episode on poisonings this week. Yes. We hope you guys enjoyed so, so much. If you are new here, we hope that you will continue to show the Spookster love and subscribe and come hang out with us on our social medias. And whether you're new or you've been hanging around for a while, if you have not, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us out a bunch, lets us know on as far as feedback, what you're liking, what you'd like more of. We're always open to topic suggestions as well.
0: Yes, because we're here for you guys. I mean, it's a little for us, but mostly for you.
1: (laughs) Yes hundred percent. All right, guys. Well, we will go ahead and see you next week. So enjoy your day. Be safe. Don't take any sketchy pills or food from anybody.
0: <laughs> right. Remember, there's a reason that there's tampering like stuff on it now.
1: hundred percent. All right, guys, we'll
0: see you next time. Bye. Bye. This week's promo is Dead Time Stories. Check them out.
1: Hey guys, I'm Sarah. And I'm Stephanie. And we're the
0: hosts of Dead, Dead Time, stories. Time Stories. Dead Time Stories. With a Z. Is a weekly podcast where we tell you stories of ghosts, hauntings, mysteries, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, the generally eerie, spooky, and all around weird. If you like scary stories, witty banter, and classy broads,
1: we're your ghouls.
0: Gals. Gals. New episodes are posted Thursdays at midnight on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Listen and subscribe, rate and review today.